Welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor, where life, sports, and medicine intersect. I'm your host, Dr. Derek Burgess. Building a business that helps people is going to enable you to afford that and more than anything, have options. And for me, that's what investing in real estate has done for me. It has enabled me to be able to design the life I choose to live. And that's very powerful. So tonight we have uh, Lisa Hilton, who is a CPA by training, but is also a CEO of her own company um, and a real, real estate investor and syndicator. So we're glad to have you. Number one, most of the guests that have been on Time Out with the Sports Doctor have a medical background. So this will be great having somebody with a financial background to be able to you know, get your wisdom as well. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah. if you could just start off by telling me about kind of your early life and growing up as a kid. You grew up in Cayman Islands, correct? Yes. Yeah. So tell so, me about yourself. Yeah, sure. So I, my parents are Jamaican um, and I grew up in the Cayman Islands. Um, and my father was a contractor. He built 14 apartment units when I was a child. And then by the time I got to middle school, he was uh, diagnosed with a brain tumor. And by the time I got to college, he passed away. But because he made those early investments of building those 14 apartment units, it enabled my family, myself, my two younger siblings, and my mom to keep going um, during that time to even take care of him and then ultimately you know, be able to lay him to rest. Um, So my parents were not uh, people who went to school, you know, so both my mom and my father had at best high school education. uh, But because I guess they were entrepreneurial from, you know, in their beginnings. However, they didn't really teach real estate as a path for their student for their children. Um, It wasn't like, oh, you know, come out and buy more real estate or build more real estate. It was more about like, make sure you go to school and get a really good education and get a really good high paying job. Um, And that's pretty much the path we took. So myself, I went out, did accounting, um, took the route of, you know, going into big four, spent 10 years in public accounting. Um, Over that span of time, I spent time in Grand Cayman, four years in Grand Cayman, four years in Boston and two years in Los Angeles. Uh, left the firm and decided to go work for a fund manager after spending 10 years auditing funds um, across these different cities, then left to go work for a fund manager that raised funds. Um, And I was working on private equity real estate funds. So that's when my whole life cycle came full circle. Um, And I bought my first place when I was in my early 20s living in Grand Cayman uh, after I started uh, working at PwC, I decided to buy a two-bedroom townhouse. I, I bought it because I loved it. You know, I everyone was buying, and everyone was like, "Oh yeah, it's a really good time to buy. Like you should buy." And you know, I bought this place because I I walked in and I said it's gorgeous, and I'm going with it. Uh, and then I rented it out, and it broke even the first year, and lost money every single year after that for a total of five to six years. So by the time I got to LA. Um, well, after I left the Cayman to come to Boston, I had the property for only one year at that point. But because I did not think about property management when I was buying it, because I didn't think I was going to leave Cayman, I did not, I couldn't afford property management unless I wanted to be even further into the hole. So I just said, you know what, no property management. I'll just, 
you know, manage it from a distance. And by the time I got to LA is when I got my thousand dollar bill in the email for AC broke down, tenant called the AC company. And I said, okay, no more. I'm selling this. Sold it. And I always say that the universe has a sense of humor because a year after I sold it is when I ended up taking a job working for Ari, the, the investment manager that I was working for as a controller on private equity, real estate funds. So coming full circle. So I'll pause there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So number one, before we get too serious, you're Jamaican. So yes. what's your favorite Jamaican dish? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't have one. I have, I would say definitely ackee and saltfish with green banana. Sure, sure. And um, I love good roast breadfruit. Uh, so definitely green banana, Irish potatoes, that, that kind of stuff. Maybe some yellow yam too, but not too much. Yeah. <laughs> so if there is yeah. one place, my wife and I, our favorite place in the world is Jamaica. Really? So, yeah, we actually went there for... Um, our honeymoon. So, and oh, we've been wow. back a couple of times since, but that is our favorite <laughs> place in the world. So you, your family left Jamaica and went to Cayman Islands. Now my That's only right. Cayman Islands story is family of, with three kids, Disney yeah. cruise, we went oh. to a Disney cruise and we went to the Grand Cayman. Um, so that was my only experience, but how did you leave Jamaica to go to Cayman? Was that for business with your dad? Great or? question. Great yeah. question. So my parents met in Cayman. Okay. They each came to Cayman separately from each other. So my father came to Cayman years before my mother came to Cayman. Um, and then they met in Cayman and then eventually got married and had uh, children together. So both so of your parents how, are Jamaican. Yes. Both of them okay. are Jamaican. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. And then, you know, you also mentioned that you lived in all of your places that you lived are major markets like Boston, LA, Yes. Um, and then what about real estate in the Cayman Islands? I know that these islands tend to be pretty expensive. Was it pretty expensive there as well? Yeah, Cayman is definitely expensive to buy yeah. for sure, yeah. without a doubt. I see all the time on Facebook in the Cayman groups where, you know, locals, fellow locals are talking about affordability and how it's really hard to for regular Caymanians, uh, you know, people like myself who did chose not to leave to buy homes in Cayman, it's, you know, it's quite expensive. So okay. yeah, for sure. All right. Now back to business. So <laughs> you are a CEO, number one of your own company. Tell sure. me about your own company that you started. Yeah. So my company is, it's a real estate investment firm. So what I do is I focus on building relationships with two groups of people. The first group is operators. So operators in this space that are track record, strong track record, they know what they're doing in terms of multifamily. That is my primary focus. So they operate in whatever state. Typically, you can tell operators because they usually have one or two states that they're really focused in. They're not in multiple states. Um, and that's because they have to have they have to build out their team in terms of like property management contractors, the whole nine yards in order to service assets. Uh, so I'm building relationships with operators and then on the other side, building relationships with um, investors. So people like myself who were working in corporate America and had the idea of investing in real estate, but recognize that they do not want to be landlords. Uh, they do not. They live in places like Los Angeles or other places, and 
they do not want to be flipping homes. They don't have capacity time to do that. Um, they would love to short do the short-term rentals, but once again, they just don't have time to be doing short-term rentals. It takes time to set up your system, you know, on all that kind of stuff. So that's where, you know, myself, I, I'm creating that service of providing, hey, I'm working with operators. This is my due diligence. This is how I go about vetting them, bringing deals to people that want to invest in real estate. So, yeah. Okay. And tell me what a real, real estate syndicator is. Yeah. So a real estate syndication is where you put, you are pooling together the funds um, from two groups of people. So you have your limited partners, which are your investors. Um, they will bring capital to the deal. And then you'll have your general partner team and they will be bringing their time expertise as well as money to the deal. Um, and Together, everyone is able to buy an asset that's larger than what they would be able to afford on their own. Perfect. So, that's so hold on just a second. So we're having a yeah. vocabulary test. So that was the first two vocabulary words, right? So limited yeah. partner and general partner, right? That's right. Okay. That's right. So repeat that again. So limited partner usually only brings money, correct? Correct. They're bringing okay. money to the deal. The general partner team. Um, is bringing their time, expertise, experience, connection, and also their money. Mm -hmm. So they're bringing, they should have some skin in the game as well. So right. they will be bringing their money to the table as well. And out of those two types of partners, who's making the decisions for the investment? Yes. So the general partner team is who is making the decisions. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so when you're just talking about kind of building a team. So mm -hmm. what all does it entail to be able to invest in a property? What are the normal size properties that you're looking at? Yeah. So for me, I like to focus on hundred plus unit multifamily apartment buildings. I like to stay in the class B space. So B as in boy. So what does that mean? That means these are multifamily properties that are typically over about 10 years old. So if you're looking, we are here in 2021. So 10 years from 10 years ago, that's like the early 2000s. So 2000, 2001, late 90s. So 1999, 1998, roughly around there is class B um coming up uh forward so so yeah that's that's around that i would consider class b type multifamilies. and class b that's also going to be determined by location and by the quality of the building correct yeah so class b there can be class b locations um and then you then the property itself is separate so the property class b the primary determinant is the age However, you have some properties that might be in the 80s and late or early 90s that might still be considered class B, even though they're probably class C, but they are class B because of the way they're maintained. So they may have been renovated and those renovations have then enabled them to sort of be class B type buildings. Now, class B, the type of neighborhood, so the market now, like the area, whether it's a class A or class B. So class A neighborhoods, typically you're looking at Whole Foods. Um, any neighborhood that you're seeing like a Whole Foods in and a Starbucks right next to it, definitely, you know, yoga studios, Dog flywheel, parks. all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah, Orange Theory, that's an indicator that you're in a class A area. 
Uh, class B area, you might see some of that as well, uh, but maybe some target, you know, something like that in those areas. And then class C, you'll probably see some Dollar Trees, liquor stores, um, you know, stuff like that, you know, more fast foods you'll see in the class C area as well. So most of the deals that you're getting, are they off market or are these things that you're finding that they're listed for sale? Yeah, great question. So the way I work is I the, I am not necessarily, so most of the deals that come to me are typically either a combination of off market or through broker connections. So working with once again, sponsors, they, so on the syndication team on the GP side, there are four roles. The first role is the acquisitions person. Then you have the underwriter. Sometimes the underwriter and acquisitions is the same person, but many times it's not. Um, so acquisitions, they're constantly building relationships with brokers in the market, walking properties. And then what they'll do is as they're working, walking properties, they'll send the property details. So the P&L and the rent roll, the profit and loss statement and the rent roll to uh, their underwriter to for their underwriter to underwrite the deal while they're walking the deal and looking at other deals. So that way they can quickly get back to the broker and say, hey, you know what, we like this deal or we don't. Uh, sec third up is the asset manager. So after the deal is acquired, you're going to need to have someone who is responsible for ensuring that the business plan is executed. So, um, you know, making sure that they're overlooking the property manager and that every time there is a turn so tenants leaving, that they're pushing the rents or if they're planning on, you know, doing any kind of decreases on expenses or executing any renovations, that they are monitoring that and that it's being going on according to budget. And then lastly is uh, your investor relations. So they're responsible for raising capital and also communicating with your investors. So to make sure that investors know what's going on with this deal, how things are going. So as you can see, once you have all these people in place, it's a well-oiled machine. So that enables you to then have deals once a month, once a quarter, and not suffer um, with on performance. Because if you can't perform, then people will not want to invest. Yeah. So what we're talking about are large multifamily um, deals. And most people that are investing in this are invest investing passively, correct? Correct. Right. So number one, the difference between active and passive investments, will you just kind of break that down for me? Yeah. So active versus passive. So passive investing is when you just look at a deal do your due diligence on sponsor the deal, the market, and then decide that, hey, I want to invest my money into this deal. And then once you invest, you do not have any more responsibilities. You just see money appearing in your bank account, either on a monthly basis or quarterly basis based on the, the PPM agreement. Now, on the other side, you have the active or the general partner team. Um, so the active investors are responsible for running the deal. And those are the four roles I mentioned before. So they're making sure that all of the things that need to be done, if they're going to execute a business plan, that they're executing the business plan and dealing with all the problems that come up as a result of executing the plan. Perfect. Thank you. Um, and why is it important for, you know, a athlete, a high earner, mm -hmm. a physician, 
you know, why is it important to invest in real estate instead of just investing in the stock market? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first thing is diversification. Um, I would say that diversifying out, outside of the stock market, I think is really important. Um, I don't advocate that people don't invest in the stock market at all. No, like I have some stuff in the stock market myself, but I think it's good to diversify and get into real estate properties. Um, secondly, real estate is, you know, very tax advantageous. Um, so what, I, what that means is that you can invest, for instance, in these real estate syndications. And what we typically do is we're able to accelerate depreciation expense on these properties. So that enables investors to not pay any taxes on any of the distributions that they receive during the whole period. And then when the property is sold, there is, you have a couple of different options. If there's still 1031, if it's still the 1031 exchange around, you can 1031 exchange. If the operator chooses the 1031 exchange, you can 1031 exchange into a new deal, which enables you to defer paying taxes. However, if you decide that you do not, like they're not doing a 1031 exchange, or you don't want to 1031 exchange into the new deal because you don't like the new deal, then you don't have to. You can get that money. And I always recommend um, to talk to your CPA because they're going to know the details of your personal situation to make sure that you assess whether you need to do make another investment or you maybe have other losses like from business, other passive businesses that you might be doing. And then if you don't, then being able to then take that money and invest it into another deal that is expected to kick off similar types of depreciation expense to offset the gain from the sale. Absolutely. So two more vocabulary words. So <laughs> depreciation, right? So you buy a building and over, is it usually 27 years? Yes, 27 so and a half years. 27 and a half years, you depreciate the value of that property, which is a sure. tax benefit, right? Yes. That takes away from any gains that you get from that property or that's that investment, right. correct? That's right. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is 1031 exchange, which means you make $100,000 on this property. Mm -hmm. You can take that $100,000 and move it into a new, a new investment without right. having to pay taxes on it. That's right. That's right. So that's, right. that's the big boy ball game there. Yes. You're, you're moving, you're leveraging your assets to create more wealth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you never touch the principal. You never touch that stuff. You, you're just continuing to roll it into new deals um, and then getting cash flow, which you could then accumulate and then put into more deals as well. So that's why we need to be investors and not just employees, because right. when you get your paycheck, before you touch your paycheck, your taxes are taken out. Mm -hmm. When you're investing, you can invest again without taxes ever being touched. So that's, right. that's huge. That's right. All right. And that'll lead me to this. Why should you invest in uncertain times like this? We're still in, despite popular thought, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Um, we have a new uh, president in office. Right. And anytime there's a change of office, there's always some uncertain times financially. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot going on in the world from storms mm -hmm. to, you know, military conflicts. Why do you still invest in times like this? Yeah, I believe that, you know, there's going to always be something going on. There is never really any quiet time, so to speak. 
I think that it's important for investors, passive investors, to educate themselves about what they're investing in and the real estate markets as much as possible, which then enables them to choose the right kinds of deals for them. And what do I mean by that? So like if you are going to invest in a certain area, like we were talking about deals and flood zones before we started mm -hmm. recording, like you want to be able to see that you're going to get, uh, you're going to be compensated for taking on the risk of investing in that flood zone. And if you can get another property, if you can invest in another deal that is giving you similar returns as that deal without the risk of flooding, then why would you go into that deal? So it's like understanding um, the returns, like some of the things that we talked, some of the terminology that we talked about. So even more terminologies out there, understanding some of that terminology. Um, and that's where working with people like myself comes into place is because we're here to help people to sort of break down these bigger concepts and to understand and to answer questions and enable them to ask questions about what it is that they're thinking about investing in to make sure that, hey, like they can make up their mind on their own to say, okay, this is something that's important to me. And I want, like, I want to make sure that I have, I'm setting myself up properly. Um, so I so think that there's always really good deals, no matter yeah. what time of the market we're in. Okay. Now for someone who's saying, Hey, I want to get involved in this. Mm -hmm. I want to get involved in real estate, you know, passive investing in a real estate syndication. What are the qualifications to get involved? Yes, great question. So the qualifications depends on the type of syndication offering. So uh, there are two types of uh, syndication offerings uh, covered under the SEC rules, uh, Regulation D, 506B, and then there's 506C. So 506C offerings are for accredited investors only. And those are people who are single and making at least $200,000 a year for the past two years and on track to do the same for this year. And then if you're married, that number is 300K. And then the if you do not qualify the, for the income, you can also qualify at net worth of a million dollars, excluding your primary residence. So, and then there's a fourth one, which is typically like if you have like a CFA designation, then that could enable you to be, um, I think it's a series 65 designation that can enable you to be a accredited investor as well. Um, so then on the other side is the 506C. So if the 506B, sorry, 506B offering. So 506B offering is for both accredited and sophisticated investors. However, for this offering, um, in the general partner team needs to know personally every investor. They need to have a relationship with them, substantial relationship with them before they had the deal. That's key before they had the deal. So you can't have a deal like I can't just have a deal right now and meet Derek now and say, oh, Derek can come into my deal. No, 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 because you had the deal before you met Derek. So the idea is you've met Derek, you have a conversation with him, it's now the end of August, you can then 
potentially, you know, have another conversation with him in September and maybe towards the end of September, then you could present a deal to him because now you've had a couple touch points. You understand, most importantly, you understand his goals, what he's trying to achieve in terms of investing. Um, and then you guys look over deals, he answer, he asks any kinds of questions and then go from there. And why is that important? Yeah, so that is important because under the SEC rules, if you do not have a relationship, like uh, you could lose your ability to like be in this business, like you could end up going to jail. Yeah. Like it's serious stuff. Sure. <laughs> but some so, people can take the risk. <laughs> right, right. But not, not the early investors. Yes. Yeah, this is excellent. I mean, the fact that this is like a master course, this is definitely not elementary education here. So. <laughs> All right. So tell us about your podcast, The Level Up sure. REI. Yeah. So The Level Up REI, I started my podcast in February of 2020. But I started working on it, I want to say in the fall of 2019, late fall of 2019, I took, so I'm going to count it by profession, right? Doing podcasts and all this stuff wasn't really in my uh, blood, so to mm -hmm. speak. <laughs> it wasn't like everyday occurrence. Um, it just so happened that I did this program uh, that exposed me to like podcasting and video and all these different things. And I said, oh my goodness, I really like this. And then I was like, oh, maybe I could do like a podcast. I think that could sort of work. And I tried it. Um, I did like one video kind of podcast in late 2019. Um, and I said, you know what, let me launch it. And it just so happened to be in a mastermind with other women. And they told me about this company that helps people to get their podcasts off the ground. So I use them. And so as a result, my podcast launched in February of 2020 and yeah, has been going on since. So, yeah. Yeah. So you decided to do, were you a blogger as well? No, I was not, but I do blog now. So I do have articles as well. Like everything is sort of on my website. So, yeah. 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 So your website is excellent. It has a lot of edu educational resources. So I recommend that and it'll be in the show notes and you can kind of share all that information at the end, but it, awesome. it's an excellent resource to be able to go to, to learn about all these things we discussed and about different asset classes and things of that nature. Yeah. All right. What would you share? Because I started this platform really to allow people to identify with other successful people. So it's even overwhelming for me to think about investing in a hundred plus unit property mm -hmm. uh, to be able to raise capital millions of dollars. We're talking, right. you know, 10, 20 million dollars. But tell me kind of the process in your mind or what struggles you might have to overcome uh, mm -hmm. to actually get to being a CEO, being an investor. Mm -hmm. um, running these large syndication projects? Yeah, great question. So the first thing is um, education. Um, second thing is the courage to take the leap. You know, um, there's a book that comes to mind, The Big Leap. I forgot who writes it, but it's one of the, like that is a book that I always go back to and I listen to a ton. Um, there's a, also another book called The Go-Giver. Uh, that one is equally as powerful. So both books together um, have been with me. And that's what sort of helps me to keep going. 
yeah, there's not a whole lot of women. Um, there's not a whole lot of black people in commercial real estate, but that's a part of the reason why I think people like myself need to be in this space um, is because people want to invest in commercial real estate, but they don't know, like they themselves don't know, like they don't have any education about commercial real estate and like what they're even putting their money into. So they're looking for people to step up and sort of say, hey, listen, like I can share with you what I've learned from my own experience being in this place, in this space on the professional side to then now building my business currently. So, you know, for me, I, I come from a place of like connecting, like really like having conversations with people and sort of being able to see where that takes me and takes them. And from that, what opens up and if I can connect them with someone to help them achieve their goals, then great. Like, you know, because I feel that that's a part of this process that there are people out there who are doing the same for you. Um, as long as you continue to sort of pay that forward. So that's, that's a part of it. So, yeah. yeah. So being a minority in the field, like you're saying, it's great that you made yourself available as a resource to other people and to right. inspire the next generation coming up. Yes. Which kind yeah. of leads me to my last question. So on timeout with the sports doctor, we have your yeah. final timeout. So this is your final timeout. And my last question comes from my 10 year old daughter who uh -huh. is obsessed with Los Angeles at this point. And <laughs> she said, dad, just have her to find me a house. So I said, sure, <laughs> she can find your house, but what are you going to do when she finds it? So this is what she wants. She wants a six bedroom house uh, with a three car garage and a pool. Yes. In the mountains. Nice. In Los Angeles. So okay. I know this exists. It does. So first, <laughs> so first give me a price tag on this house. And then more importantly, give advice to a 10 year old as to what she needs to do to be able to afford this one day. Ah. So um, I don't know what the price tag is for those, but I'm pretty sure it's a whole lot of money. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh duplexes in regular areas go for one point something million. So that kind of house probably at least like maybe five million or something or yeah. more. So what's a three bedroom house in LA? A three bedroom it two, depends twenty five hundred square feet in a decent area. Um, I don't think you're going to get anything less than half a million, you know, so you need to be coming with at least half a million at a minimum. You know, you might not be in a neighborhood you want to walk in. That's right. That's right. And that's not even like if you want to be like in the Santa Monica's and all of that, like that's over a million dollars yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Unless you're trying to buy a condo. Which is not a house. So. So, yeah. Yeah. So tell her what she needs to do. She needs to first so, get an education and then what else? <laughs> I think that education, yes, 100% education for sure. But I think that um, you got to build a business. You got to build a business. Like if you want that kind of level of freedom and income, I think the only way it's coming is from building a business and going back to the go-giver book. Uh, they talk about, you know, you want to make a lot of money, then help a whole lot of people. Mm, yes. Help a whole lot of people. So think about, you know, 
you can go out there, get a job, get a skill, like, you know, do, do your work, et cetera. But then along the way, you know, sometimes some people, even through college, like think about like entrepreneurship and business and how it is that you could like how you could create something that helps people in, in a meaningful and impactful way and continuing to build from there, because really and truly that's what business is. That's like Amazon, they are around because they're helping people. They're helping people getting to get stuff really quickly. And, you know, in ways that they would not have been able to get before. So I feel like a lot, same thing for Facebook. Facebook is helping people like, wow, like that's an amazing space, right? So like you meet people on social media, you change lives on social media. Like those people, of course, they're going to make lots of money because they're like connecting people. Like they're the reason why people are able to have businesses is because of them and their platform. So I would say building a business that helps people is going to enable you to afford that. And more than anything, have options. And for me, that's what investing in real estate has done for me. It has enabled me to be able to design the life I choose to live. And that's very powerful. It's more powerful than big homes. In yeah. my opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's very valuable, very, very valuable um, information. And like you said, um, life and being an entrepreneur is about finding a problem and solving it. Yes. And when you once you find a problem or find a need and you solve it, like you said, the business will be there. 100%. 100%. So, yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on our show. This mm-hmm. has been excellent. You know, I'll, I'll admit most of the terms that we discussed, I've learned in the last 18 months or so, and I've learned it by reading books. I've learned by speaking to people who are experts in the field. So it's never too late to get started. And, you know, this has been a great start for many people that are listening to this podcast. So for someone who wants to follow you or, you know, mm-hmm. possibly be on your podcast, where, th- where can they find you on social media? Yeah, you know, I would say there's a one-stop shop to find me, and that is lisahilton.com. So Hilton, like the hotel, only thing with a Y, but everything else is the same. So lisahilton.com. And, you know, definitely reach out to me. Like, there is an invest with me. You can just go there, sign up to invest, and then quickly book a call, and we can chat, get to know each other. If you want to come on to my podcast, we can chat, get to know about that, to learn about, you know, what you are offering and talking about um and then just in general so so yeah so i definitely encourage people to reach out to me and i'm as i think i shared with you derek i am currently in the process of building you know um a community of investors where people can come and be able to learn about due diligence and doing due diligence on properties like real properties being able to create a community where people are able to like look at stuff and then be able to determine whether they want to invest or not. Um, So this is something that is really like close to my heart right now. And I want to be able to create. So I've been doing a lot of research connecting to that. So to the extent that people want to be a part of that um, and this speaks to them, then by all means, definitely reach out to me, lisahilton.com or lisa at lisahilton.com. Super easy. 
So, yeah. Perfect. And I'll include all that information in the show notes. So, once again, thank you for your time. Thank you for your pearls of wisdom. And I look forward to working with you in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Dark. Thank you for continuing to support this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a five-star review. And if you haven't done so, subscribe so you continue to get the updated episodes. Until later, peace.